Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 72nd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. Well, the exhibition season is winding down here and the Falcons will play the Miami Dolphins Thursday night, 7 p.m. at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in the finale. All the starters are going to sit in that one and we'll see a lot of the players uh, down on the roster fighting for the last few spots. We did our roster analysis this week. We're counting 43 locks. That means there are 10 more spots for the final 53-man roster. And really, three, just three spots for uh, the 46 game day roster. But more importantly, there are 10 other spots for the team's practice squad. So, you know, there is something to play for, and there'll be guys out there with their careers on the line. You know, a lot of guys do start out on the practice squad, so it will be important. But a lot of folks just listening around uh, town on my drive out to Flowery Branch and uh, some of the different radio sports guys are all up in arms because – the Falcons are uh, 0-3, but after the game in Jacksonville, Matt Ryan talked about the uh, the veterans and the experience of the team and how he feels good about what's going on into the season. So let's hear from quarterback Matt Ryan about you know basically how the preseason doesn't mean anything and they've been doing a good job in practice. So I thought the preparation leading into it was good from a practice standpoint. I thought tonight, you know, there were some positives and some things that you'd like to do. And that's probably the case with most years. Um, whether it's a third preseason game, first or second, there's always going to be things like that. I also think that, you know, when you're going against a good defense, that's kind of the way the game's going to shake out. You're going to have your opportunities at certain times to make plays. I don't think we came away with all of them tonight, uh, but we certainly made some good ones as well. Any, any particular concern you not really. I mean, listen, you know, I've played long enough to know that, you know, some years you're 4-0 in the preseason and it doesn't certainly pan out that way during the regular season. Some years you're not that way in the preseason and, you know, the regular season can be different. So um, I think the, the veterans uh, and the experienced guys that we have, um, you know, obviously make it to where you feel good about what we're going to be and who we're going to be as we move forward throughout the year. Drop pass is our issue today. Uh, how do y'all deal with that? Uh, to get back to work. Back. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's the only way I know is is to get back out onto the practice field, um, you know, and keep putting ourselves in those situations. Uh, and, and you know, listen, I, we got guys that are going to make plays for us this year. Uh, physical mistakes are going to happen at, at certain times. We've got guys that have great hands that are secure with it, and so um, to me, you know, those physical things happened. I was kind of, I was, you know. With the physical stuff, you know, that happens from time to time. Where I was pleased mostly was, you know, with our procedural stuff, how we were lined up, where we were going, targeting, alignments, those kind of things. I thought that was all positive. The fourth and one play to Mo spread the field, and pretty much everything worked the way you wanted that play to work, I assume, until the drop. Uh, 
the third down, the third down we had, third down, yeah, sorry, it was yeah. a third down situation in the low red. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, listen, he makes those plays, tough, contested catches better than anybody. Uh, and a hundred out of a hundred times, we trust him to go make that play. And so we didn't make it tonight, but he's going to make that play more often than not. What can you say about the Jaguars front um, and how your O-line did against them tonight? That's a tough group out there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's a good front seven for sure. Uh, talented, you know, they're deep. They've got a good rotation where they can rotate guys in. Uh, a good scheme. They're aggressive. So I thought they did a nice job. I thought our offensive line did a nice job. I mean, that's when it gets a good defense like that, they're going to make some plays. Uh, they're going to have their chances, and we had some of our chances too. We didn't hit on enough of them. Oh, yeah, one of this guy got loose and just, just to seeing things open. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think one of them, one of them was definitely, you know, good coverage in the back end. To where we're trying to move to extend something and the pocket kind of collapsed. But, you know, you also understand that going into a game like that, you know, when you're in third and six, third and seven plus, uh, you know, that's not where you want to be. We have to be productive on first and second down uh, when you're going against a good front seven like the Jags have. The run game numbers were pretty good. I'm sorry. The run game numbers were pretty good did you feel that or i thought we i thought we ran the ball pretty effectively uh when we had our opportunities we had some dashes you know some some explosive runs that that kind of make those numbers go up uh but going into it you know when you play defenses like this there's you know a, a bunch of them throughout the league that you know it's going to be tough sledding throughout the day uh you just got to stay with it which i thought sark did a nice job with that and we got our chances to kind of crease them in the run game we had a couple nice runs uh we just need more of those would you have liked to have tasted a little more success in the preseason as a launching point, or is we make? I don't. Deal with you know, I, I think there's there's all kinds of different successes that you have uh, throughout preseason, whether it's in practice, whether it's in games, or whatever. So uh, you have to take the kind of cumulative whole uh, of what we've done, the collective whole of what we've done up until this point. And, um, I feel really good about it. I feel positive about it. The work we've gotten in practice has been really good, and honestly, the work we've gotten in games has been good too. We've put guys in situations where we're going to need them to make plays during the regular season. Uh, and I think a lot of those guys, particularly our young guys, are going to be better for that when we get into those situations. There it is, Matt Ryan, discussing the preseason and how the team plans to move forward. Um, he called it the cumulative whole of their work, not just the preseason games. Uh, practices, relying on practice in uh, this era is a little bit troubling for me. They don't really hit. It's really tag football. They're playing fast. So the execution of the offense should be fine. But the tackling, and, and we see it every year here lately, the tackling is going to be poor early on. It's going to be poor on all sides of the ball, on uh, all levels and uh, all around the league. So uh, going into that first game, you saw where Austin Hooper just stiff-armed people all the way down the field in Chicago last year. You're going to see some of that. Duke Riley couldn't get his timing right as a rookie. Uh, you know, the tackling's going to be poor league-wide. Starting out because they don't practice it anymore. So, But he's saying that, uh, you know, because they've been practicing pretty good and playing not so good in the games that they're going to be ready to go. And so we're going to take his word for it and move on. The big thing, we're going to skip over, skip around a little bit here. Uh, one of the big topics to keep an eye on uh, late in the week is what, who's going to start at quarterback for the Eagles. Carson Wentz is coming back from two ligament surgery, LCL and ACL. I don't, you know, there's no need to rush him back out there. Uh, 
So, you know, I'm anticipating Nick Foles all the way, although Coach Peterson's going to make a declaration on Friday. Uh, I would be getting ready for Nick Foles. Now, the uh, big news yesterday is Odell Beckham Jr.'s $165 million contract with 95 guaranteed. Uh, what does that mean for Julio Jones and the Falcons? Uh, you know, keeping their players is a big thing. They have to have a financial plan, and I discussed that with General Manager Thomas Dimitrov yesterday. That'll be one of our special section stories about, you know, building a Super Bowl caliber team. Uh, it's real tough in this era because you can't keep it together. We All you have to do is look to Seattle and what they're going through right now. They're still looking for Marshawn Lynch replacement, looking for their Richard Sherman replacement, looking for their Cam Chancellor replacement. You know, those guys got older, started having injuries, uh, you know, were let, you know, go or had to retire and you know the cycle continues you got to be able to replenish your talent it's not going to be there forever you're not going to stay at the top forever and the Falcons know that and they'll face that this offseason when they sit down with Julio Jones to to work out a deal now if he wants a 20 million dollar a year deal he'll be turning I think it'll be 31 or he'll be turning 30 uh then, you know, how long is that contract going to be? Is that going to be a five? That's not going to be a five or six-year contract. Wide receivers don't go that long. You could probably look at a two- or three-year deal with, you know, maybe make it a four-year. I came up with a four-year $80 million deal. I'm talking to a couple agents. That would be the high end. That would also probably kick a, a defensive starter or two out. So, you know, go, how much longer is Julio going to play? Uh, how much do you pay him? You know, the Falcons have an issue uh, with that moving forward. So the Beckham contract was the one to wait for, and now it's here. So the Falcons at least have some parameters with which to discuss Julio's future. Now we saw something on the Internet, uh, a couple of things we want to bring up. We know a lot of fans are not going to the game tomorrow. Maybe you want to contact your local Boys and Girls Club of America, uh, Boy Scouts of America, uh, or Girl Scouts of America, and uh, give them your tickets. You know, kids that maybe not don't get a chance to go to the game could benefit uh, by your generosity. Uh, so, you know, maybe uh, that's an alternative for if you're not going to go to the game, donate them to charity to one of the reputable kids group through the to uh, get some kids down there and that maybe will. Um, I know it's a Thursday night, a school night. Maybe that's not that great a deal, ideal, but uh, there are some some groups that you can get the the tickets to and maybe get some people into the stadium that normally would not go. Also on the internet, I saw one of my good friends, Mr. Wayne Moss, former journalist and former team executive with the Detroit Lions. Uh, you know, posted a, a item. He was out eating at a restaurant, and he noticed six of the Falcons. So he's reliable as a former journalist, and I, I, I text him and uh, posted on his Facebook page that I would mention this in the podcast today. But he saw uh, six Falcons having dinner and a group of uh, a mom with six teens having a birthday uh, celebration. And when the uh, waiter brought the bill for the six, uh, the mom and the six teens, 
she was told that, hey, it had already been paid for. And uh, Wayne noticed that it was Muhammad Sanu who had paid the bill and had already left. He didn't want to be thanked for the act of kindness or his generosity. And uh, that's what kind of, you know, players, uh, stories, uh, folks don't hear about players sometimes. But he did that, wasn't expecting any uh, attention. I, I know he didn't know that I knew Wayne Moss, who was my editor in college and a former sports writer himself for the Cleveland Press. He went on to go to grad school and get a, a master's and was in the uh, PR staff with the Detroit Lions for a while. So, so uh, you know, the, he wasn't looking for any publicity, but uh, wanted to note that act of kindness by Falcons wide receiver Muhammad Sanu. We're going to just close up today, you know, this game here Thursday night. There are going to be some people fighting for their NFL lives, and, uh, uh, you know, good for them. It's going to be the last game for a lot of people, and uh, they made it pretty far to make it to the 90-man roster of an NFL team is uh, quite an accomplishment, but some of them will have to move on with their lives, and, you know, hopefully they did get their degrees and, and can move on into some other areas, but... Last game here. I think the big thing uh, we don't know about the fullback. I'm thinking they're gonna, you know, check the waiver wires. But Ortiz and Fowler are battling for that spot. And uh, you know, Fowler hasn't played special teams, so I'm giving Ortiz a slight edge there. And as far as the returner goes, you know, coach won't name it, but Hardy's listed number one on the team's. Depth chart, you know, they try to say it's unofficial, but if they're releasing it, you know, it's official. And uh, he's listed number one as the kickoff and the punt returner. Ridley's the backup kickoff, and Marvin Hall's the backup punt returner. So, you know, take that for what it is. I'm going with Hardy until they change it, and we'll see um, Isaiah Oliver do some returning. We saw him muff stuff. Marvin Hall muffed one. Uh, Edo Smith muffed a couple. So, you know, Hardy's dependable back there. He'll be the guy. Uh, you know, we're going to say that until they – uh, play somebody else. Now, looking at the bubble, there's not a whole lot of room there uh, for guys to make the team. A couple veterans uh, come out or jump out at you. Ben Garland, who's starter at times last year, could be in trouble here if Sean Harlow's developed uh, enough to be the fourth guard. You know, he's a former fourth-round pick. You know, teams uh, value their their draft picks over uh, you know scrappy undrafted veteran guys who got a chance to play and didn't really he didn't really distinguish himself at guard. He had helped out on the defensive line, uh, but they've got some better players over there now, so he could be in uh, in danger of uh, being cut. He's also been injured here the last couple of weeks, so we don't know how serious that injury is and if he's a, a IR candidate. Or if he's going to be cut. Fullback, Fowler, Ortiz talked about that. Safety, Ron Harper. Ron Parker has been intriguing. He, only, he plays 27 snaps. And when I asked Coach Dan and uh, discuss him yesterday, I believe, that he, you know, there was, he was like, yeah, he played. And then he moved on to the next topic. So that means he, might, he didn't really want to talk about uh Parker's um, play. They only paid him a one-year, $915,000 contract, so, you know, it wouldn't cost him a lot to cut him 
just a guy that they like and wanted to see if he can you know had anything left in the tank so we're going to wrap up here with the 72nd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast, the last one before the regular season gets started. Woo! So we'll be back um, probably Monday morning with a look at the Eagles. We'll maybe wrap up the cuts on uh, Saturday. Uh, if there's anything really, you know, juicy, not expecting anything too, too, too uh, out of the ordinary, then, you know, they have to Sunday night to get their practice squad available uh, for them. So, you know, we'll see a lot of the players that uh, they're going to cut in stages. So the first stage has generally been the guys that, you know, hey, you don't have a shot. Uh, you know, hey, thanks for coming type of guys. And then the next group just generally the guys who um, have a shot to be called back to the practice squad. And we'll have to call the agent Saturday and try to get that list as it's developing uh, before the Sunday night deadline. But I'm the Falcons are going to move fast. We're going to wake up Friday morning. We're going to have some cuts. And... Uh, yeah, but certainly they're not going to push it up to the 4 p.m. deadline on Saturday. They might make the cuts and hold them and, and turn them into the league late uh, because uh, for st- strategic reasons, but they're going to be practicing Saturday, so we'll see who's out there at, at that point. But I don't expect them to dilly-dally around with these cuts because they got the Thursday night opening game against the Philadelphia Eagles, the defending Super Bowl champions. Up in Philadelphia, Thursday, September the 6th. Not just their opener, the whole league's opener. So everybody's going to be watching, and that'll be uh, be a fun week, fast week here. Uh, things will move along quickly. So we're just going to thank you for listening and uh, enjoy the fourth exhibition game. If you have a family member, I think it's going to be family, uh, family member and friends night at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Don't really expect to see much, mo- well, most of you all down there. Uh, but uh, if you, you know, are, are there, enjoy the game. You're going to see a lot of backups. Get your roster so you know who's playing. Uh, some of the guys to look for, the fullbacks, the returners, linebacker Jonathan Celeste. Number 92, Justin Zimmer. He's going to be trying to make a a good impression. So, uh, the quarterbacks, we might see a lot of Garrett Graham, Garrett Grayson, uh, and Kirk Ben Kirk on Thursday night. Take care and have a great rest of the week and start getting ready for that opener on Thursday night against the Eagles. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.